Hello and welcome to Fencast, and I'm delighted to say we are joined by a special guest for this episode, Chip Colquhoun. Chip, would you like to introduce yourself to the listening audience? I would. My name is Chip Colquhoun, and I am a storyteller from around about these parts, but I have been all over the place. Fantastic. And Chip uh, is an expert particularly in myths and legends of Cambridgeshire. He's got a book out on that. Would you like to give that a quick plug? Uh, the, the book that came first was called Cambridgeshire Folktales for Children, which is a collection of our local folklore for children. Kind of does what it says on the cover. Yeah, and you head around uh, and you do fo- you tell folktales and, uh, and present sort of plays about history uh, to groups of uh, adults and children of all ages. That's absolutely right. <laughs> I do. I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Really. I mean, I'm a storyteller. The job is kind of there in the title, really. I think that uh, that, sells, that sells and says everything. Uh, Adam Roberts, of course, is joining me as usual, and he's our local journalist. I was going to say, you're not delighted to have me on, or has it become a hindrance it's, it, now? It, it is, it, it's just the standard. Yeah, yep. that's fair. It is, it is the bar to which I'm pretty sure is. I'm going to be knocked out of the park today, so yeah, well, we shall well, see. What we're going to do is... Uh, is I have picked out three uh, ancient kings, if you like, okay. uh, before the Norman Conquest. And Chip is very familiar with all three of these. However, you know absolutely nothing about them, I would not, imagine. Not <laughs> anything at all. Now, usually I come up with something, but no, I'm totally blank on this one. So what we're going to do in this episode is we are going to work our way through history and some royal connections. And we're going to begin with story number one, Who's Who? Tell one who's who. Uh, now, this is about Sutton Who in Suffolk. Probably no surprises. Are you familiar with Sutton Who at all? I am. Well, obviously, the big, uh, the big find, the big helmets are what springs to mind, obviously, when you think of that. But there's, I think it's good 40, 50 artefacts there, wasn't there? It was a real hoard. It, it was. It was actually more than one burial site oh, okay. in Sutton Who. But the big one is, you're right, it's the ship burial, uh-huh. uh, found in ni- 1939. The helmet is, of course, the iconic find from that in yeah. the British, British uh, lo- uh, Museum. And it's beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. You can go there and you can visit it in London. Um, here's the question, though. Who's buried there? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> oh, and the thing well, is... The most important person who's buried there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who, is the, who is the most important person? Because, to, to be honest, you could just say Tid. I was about to say. Some servant, I'd have been fine. Um, oh, I do. I've been there, and I've, I've seen it, and I've been seeing the, the various things around it, but I cannot for the life of me well, remember who's I, buried I there. I will give you three options. Okay. Um, well, we don't actually know for certain. I think that's fair to say, Chip. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Actually. Well, why are you asking me the question? We have a pretty good idea. Okay. Um, so is it, it is one of the three, and I, and I just want to assure you, all three do exist. These are okay. real people. Is it Radewald, the first king of East Anglia? Nice. Nice name. Is it the Viking leader Ivar the Boneless <laughs> and his companion Sigurd Snake in the Eye? Yes. Please, please be that. Or is it Bubba, the King of Lindsay? Oh, my God. I, these are like Star Wars characters. <laughs> Jabba the Hutt, the, um, the Viking. Um, oh, just because I really want it to be uh, the Boneless. I think that's fantastic. Ivar the Boneless. Ivar the Boneless. And he's, what was his... his uh, Sigurd ultimate? Snake in the Eye. It's, considering it's a ship burial, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plump for the Viking and be wrong. Ship, <laughs> can you reveal all? Well... I'm kind of a bit torn here, actually, because I would say it's none of them. Oh, and the reason here is we go. because controversial. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you um, you mentioned Redwald, the first king of East Anglia. Uh-huh. Is that the correct? Sorry, my pronunciation. I, Your I said... pronunciation was as good as any guess, I right. would say. But he wasn't the first king of East Anglia. Oh, 
In fact, he is one of a line of kings called the Waffa Kings, who um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> right name, um, who apparently descended from King Waffa, and he he is someone who we definitely don't know whether he existed or not. Okay. He's, he's about as legendary as King Arthur, um, but we do know that there are quite a few kings after him who were said to have descended from him, and uh, Redwald is one of them, and he is the one who we have pretty strong evidence. To to make a very educated guess, he's the one who's buried that son. Who, yeah. So Railwald was a king in the seventh century. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born probably around uh, five sixty or five eighty. And uh, just to give some context, there that is. I mean, that's really in the Dark Ages. This is oh, this yes. is the fall of Rome. Everything has gone to pot. The Romans have abandoned uh, Great Britain. Yeah. Um, I think this is Kit's way of saying that actually he could be right, and truth is we don't really know. We, we don't at all. Um, but um, was he a Christian, do you think, Adam? Uh, no. No, I can't imagine he was a Christian. Christianity did exist, didn't it? But I don't think he was a Christian. Christianity very much did. I mean, uh, Constantine uh, the Great, obviously, was uh, was a Roman uh, emperor in the um, the 4th century. Um, and uh, he was a Christian. Yeah. Uh, it was, again, I thought he converted again, on his deathbed, didn't this, he? This, this, that this whole is the thing. thing it, yeah. it, is, it is conversion on the deathbed. But he certainly fought a battle in Britain, um, mm. didn't he, uh, Chip? Um, so Christianity... Was Railworld Christian? Well, um, <laughs> here we go. Again, it's it's a bit difficult to say, but this is actually one of the reasons why we reckon that Railworld was the king who was buried at Sutton Hoo, because with him were about, I think you'd say, 50% Christian artefacts to show that he was a really devout Christian, and about 50% pagan artefacts to show that he was a really <laughs> devout pagan. Can I ask um, what, what the difference is between a, a Christian artefact and a pagan artefact? We're talking crosses or...? Yeah, there were crosses, okay. um, an iconography of... Um, the Christians, um, but also quite a few um, runes um, harking <laughs> to um, well, quite a lot of stuff was was inscribed with runes that mentioned the pagan gods. Well, they would have been the Saxon gods, there... the Germanic gods, which were basically the same as the Viking gods, but were slightly different. Was names. there just a, like a large middle finger up with historians <laughs> written on it or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one it's of the great confusing things. Also, were uh, boat burial more associated with paganism, I think? Mm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the Sutton Hoo is not that close to the coast, really. So it was, again, one of the key indicators that um, around about the time that Redwald would have been there, um, I, th- I think, well, I'm guessing they were Angles, because we call it East Anglia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that they would have been fairly close to have been part of the invading party which mm-hmm. I guess is one of the reasons why you could say he was the first king of East Anglia but um, <laughs> because of all of the other things that were written about him and about his family it doesn't look like he was because he had uh, I think Waffer would have been his great great grandfather or maybe his great 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 grandfather but he certainly claimed this legendary ancestry okay yeah and certainly his wife was a pagan we do know that i think because that's in the records and he actually goes off to fight the kingdom of, of Lindsay, which we've mentioned mm-hmm. which was in, on the other side of the wash the kingdom well, of Lindsay. yes i mean one, <laughs> one of redwald's um big uh, efforts was um hiding an exile from northumbria which was um originally a saxon kingdom in the north but by this point had been started to be invaded by irish vikings um and one of those, um, I can't remember his name. I don't know if you have it there. Uh, I don't have the uh, which particular key. No, sorry. Um, but uh, I think it's something like 
dunce or something. I don't, I don't know exactly. <laughs> uh, don't want to make it up because um, it's ages since I've read into that one. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. basically, the Irish Vikings invade Northumbria and um, the prince of Northumbria at the time goes into exile and Redwald gives him shelter. Um, and the um, self-proclaimed new king of Northumbria comes down to Redwald and says, give him back. Redwald <laughs> says, no. Yeah. And there's um, a big fight, which is recorded by Bede in his Ecclesiastical History of the English Church a little bit later. Um, and Bede is a big fan of Redwald because... This um, is the venerable Bede. This is the venerable Bede, that's right. <laughs> Redwald has a little army, according to Bede, and um, the king of Northumbria comes down uh -huh. um, uh, in order to try and get... Edwin back um, with his Mahusiv army mm -hmm. and um, Redwald wins and mm. effectively beats him back um, keeps him out of the way for a very long time um, and Bede saw this as one of the ways that Christianity was able to eventually um, conquer I don't know if a religion yeah, yeah, can yeah. conquer but <laughs> spread let's, let's say I think, I think the, the Crusades will <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is how Christianity ended up um, being part of pretty much every Anglo-Saxon wow. kingdom around the British Isles so this okay. is one of the things so although Sutton Hoo is in Suffolk it is very much not part of the Fens um, one of the reasons we're including this story is because that was on the other side of the Fens you'd have yeah. to go around it the Fens in this time were sort of really a no man's land because it was a swamp it was no, yeah. one, no one wanted the Fens um, <laughs> you but couldn't also, grow anything there you couldn't grow anything yeah. it was, it was it was worthless. God, what, um, what an irony today. <laughs> well, yeah, unless you wanted to dine on eels yeah. every single day. Um, of course. And uh, the other reason is that one of our main sources is Henry of Huntingdon. Oh, okay. Um, and so he, Huntingdon's still around. <laughs> Hunt, well, Huntingdon uh, emerges a couple of centuries later. Yeah. So, so Henry of Huntingdon is writing basically in, as we would write about the Tudors, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. we're, we're talking centuries uh, apart and he wrote about the battle of the river idol which is what you've just been describing and the river idol was foul with the blood of Englishmen oh. it was a wonderful phrase uh, of course they weren't English at the time I think it's fair to say well no they would have been um, okay. but it's it's fascinating the et etymology of this hmm. um because the word English is basically um, a corruption of the word Angles. Um, Angles being um, the, the correct way of pronouncing Angles, yeah. the Angle part of Anglo-Saxon. Ang Anglo um, <laughs> Sounds very Cockney, doesn't it? So, Angle. <laughs> I mean, I suppose in a way you could say that Redwald was an English king because he was most likely an Angle. Um, but um, the English, as we start to think of them towards the end of the Dark Ages, is actually that amalgamation of the Angles and the Saxons, the Anglo-Saxons, um, which is a process that begins with Bede, because he, he sees the British Isles becoming Christian. Yeah. He starts to see them all as one race, um, and probably because Bede himself is an Angle, he says we're all angles yeah um, and he includes the saxons in that and Bede is up in is it, is it he's in northumbria yeah he's in northumbria yeah. i mean it's, is it lindisfarne or is it durham i can never remember um, it's one of the places up there i think yeah i would i wouldn't say durham i uh, okay I don't know. He's, he's up that direction. <laughs> he, yeah, he's up in that direction. Um, where, when he really becomes important, though, is when his work gets all the way down to Wessex, so the other end of the British Isles, uh -huh. and Alfred the Great gets hold of his book. Um, and Alfred is busy trying to unite um, all of the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms against the Vikings. Yeah. Um, he sees Bede saying, we are all Angles. And he thinks, actually, do you know what? Even though I'm Saxon, I'm going to call myself Angles because then maybe the Angles will 
you know, like me more. Okay. Um, and even before the death of Alfred, he is using the word Inglisk to describe his language, uh, which is only one letter away yeah. from English. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's like very, very sort of political, very kind of, yeah. It, oh, yeah, it's very Game of Thrones. Yeah, this actually. is exactly <laughs> where I was, I was <laughs> going with it, to be honest. Obviously, quick it was Yarrow um, up in, uh, up, up in. I mean, that's really Tyne and Weir. So, um, <laughs> so yes, not not Durham and, and certainly not Lindisfarne. <laughs> so far, so the far, kingdom um, of Northumbria was quite weak, though. So. Absolutely. And um, I think it's probably just worth, at this point, briefly mentioning that, that Lindsay and East Anglia and Northumbria aren't the only kingdoms. There's also Mercia right mm-hmm. in the middle of it. And that is... Uh, that was the big one, wasn't it? That was the, that was the, well, the one that sticks in my that's mind. That's where you get things like heard Offa, of. for example. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Mercian kings were quite big for a while. Um, Wessex was the one that would become quite dominant because mm-hmm. of Alfred the Great. Um, but uh, before he died, Alfred married one of his daughters off to the Lord of Mercia at the time mm-hmm. um, in order to get that, um, uh, what do you call it, union going yeah. <laughs> treaty. Again, we're off to back of the politics. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, when we're talking about the Dark Ages, we are talking about the complete collapse of society. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously you've got all these these migrant areas and things coming in. And actually that leads us very neatly on to our second king um, because uh, he certainly had a bit of trouble with uh, with some, some migrants. <laughs> Insert Nigel Farage joke here. I'm not <laughs> please, do please do not. Please do not. This close. Let's let's move Sorry. on. To, let's move on to, to more the better time period for me. Okay. <laughs> Story number two, uh, Edmund the Martyr. Uh, now, again, I'm probably going to be corrected here. Uh, Edmund the Martyr, the first patron saint of England. Are we going to go with that? Well, I would certainly say yes. Oh, hey, there we go. But I, I would say yes. Yes. So um, Edmund the Martyr was. Um, uh, we both agree that the, the first, <laughs> the the first patron saint of England. I'm with you all the way, mate. I've no idea. So uh, symbol was a white dragon flag. Um, although that his personal crest was actually three crowns. Um, the, the three crowns of East Anglia. Um, his feast day was the 20th of November. It was changed to St. George by Edward III. Okay. Um, so that is much, much later on. Um, do we know anything, Adam, about Edmund the Martyr? No. There's <laughs> the short answer. Okay. No, no, I don't. I also know at least one thing about <laughs> I know, him. I know, he's, I know he was the first <laughs> uh, patron saint of England. Is that the, the way to say it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Living around here, there must be at least one more thing you know about Edmund the Martyr. Just, just think of the name oh, for the moment. What am I, Ed, Ed? Think about locations, for example. Oh, say so now you put me on the spot. Um, if this is... Think of, big, to... think of big towns. I was, I was literally <laughs> am. I'm just going through, going Ely, you know, all the rest of it. Um, Driven down the A14. Where, where I, I'm totally drawing a blank. Go, go. This is going to be great, great radio. Are, 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 we, are, we, are we burying you at all? In, in... No. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. It was. It was, it was. <laughs> However, I think we've got there. <laughs> just about. <laughs> No, go on. Do do go on. Don't let me me get in the way. Bury St Edmunds. Yes. Uh, he, he yes. Is, he How was, did I not? He was so <laughs> worked in Bury St Edmunds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can tell you a lot about the brewery. Um, he's not the Green King, is he? Because if he is, I mean, <laughs> he, he is most—he's most definitely not the Green King. Oh, good. Um, so Edmund the Martyr, not to be confused, of course, by Edward the Martyr, um, who is a completely <laughs> Sorry, um, different. Just, I've just got the Berry reference now. <laughs> I was thinking about burial grounds. I, I was totally different. I was. I was. Oh, I was trying. I'll cut that Never out. mind. <laughs> 
<sighs> yes, not to be confused by Edward the Martyr, who is a very different chap and, and ends up in, in Dorset in, in rather a bad way. Mm. Very bad way, with, yes. with one of his relatives. Hence the martyr part yeah. of his epithet. In, indeed. Um, so two martyrs, very similar names. Uh, Edmund the Martyr dies in 869, and he gets into a bad way with, uh, with Vikings. Yes, and you'll be pleased about this. Okay. Because the Viking he gets in a bad way with is... Ivar the Boneless. Yes! <laughs> My we, favourite name we, so far. We thought we'd bring it back. So Ivar uh. the Boneless is actually, I mean, Ivar has some fantastic uh, relatives. And, 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 and coming up, obviously, we're going to do uh, do another king with some fantastic relatives as well. Because Vikings just have the best epithets. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, so Ivar the Boneless leads the great heathen army. Mm. Comes sweeping in. And uh, Chip, do you want to take up the tale there? Yeah. Well, I'll start by saying they didn't call themselves the great heathen army. That was, <laughs> that was a name that... Uh, that would have been a great name. name. <laughs> Probably would have. I think they were just shooting for the great army. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think in their own records, they're the great Danish army because that's where they came from um, and they arrive in East Anglia and do the usual Viking thing of the time of going around pillaging taking as much as they could but it was around about this time that the Vikings were starting to see actually we keep coming over here finding <laughs> treasures and going back again why don't we just come and stay um, go so where now, the treasure is yeah. now they're beginning to fight um, especially in East Anglia for territory as well as just um, loot and, and stuff mm. like that um, and Edmund the king of these parts around that time decides he's not having any of that he raises up his army uh, leads several battles uh, ultimately though he loses yeah. and he is captured oh dear and according to the records of the time um, they ask him quite forcefully to denounce his Christian religion. Hmm. Now he doesn't. So what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, to see, this is... I, I, it can't be good. It's Vikings. <laughs> do you want to take this one, Kit? Yes. Uh, so, um, interestingly, actually, there there are um, various series that do include Edmund the Martyr. Um, and uh, there was a, a portrayal by Jason Fleming, uh, oh, which was a, not necessarily a sympathetic portrayal, it has to be said, from Edmund's point of view. Um, but uh, he refuses to renounce Christ. He is beaten. And then he is shot with arrows and beheaded. Wow. Yeah. Um, Very Rasputin. I think at, in certain versions of the story that I've heard other tellers tell anyway, um, he's beaten, and when that doesn't kill him, they shoot him with arrows. <laughs> and when that doesn't kill him, they chop off his head. Wow. And then, for some reason, which um, is sort of shrouded in mystery at this point... The Vikings get scared of his head, <laughs> so they dump it. Yes, and and we're going to pause right there because this is this where I where I need to ask Adam. This is the question so I've been waiting for. They for are ways. scared of his head. Yeah. Um, so what do we think happens to Edmund the Martyr's head? <laughs> okay. I will give you some options. Was it turned into a cup by one of his retainers, <laughs> and then is used to anoint a future king? By one of his retainers, by yes. one of his own men. By one of his own men, because okay. you know it's scaring the Vikings. Yeah, let's let's have a let's you know, drink a, out of his skull. Let's drink yeah. out of his skull. That would scare me. <laughs> Did a wolf find it and keep it safe, calling to Edmund's men where to find his head? <laughs> that sounds like a yeah. I mean, th these these are all bizarre. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know what your imagination is like. So. <laughs> or does it become the equivalent of a screaming skull, and it's now held up in battle? as a standard uh, because the Vikings oh. find it sort of so terrifying what happens to that is Edmund real... the Martyr's head that's a tough one I can see all of those being like not so much the drinking skull okay interesting because bear in mind he was sainted yeah and actually turning saints bones into relics was a very common 
Uh, he has a perhaps, way of making all of these sound convincing. I know he does. It's more different when you're in the studio. Isn't it? <laughs> you listen to it, you think that's rubbish, and you go, yeah, it's no, never no, right. I'm sitting here, I know the answer, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I can see How that. Good would it have oh, yeah. been? Yeah. But you can, you can see all of those. I suspect the, the wolf sounds like a tale from that period. That sounds like something that you, you'd read and you think, oh, yeah, that's, that's what they thought. Which is why I'm, I want to go to it, but I feel like standard in battle. Ahead as, ahead as a standard in battle. Yeah, I like the idea of it, you know, kind of on top of that. Oh, we've held up. Well, and then... well certain armies did use uh, skulls. Generally, the skulls of enemies, it has to be said. Mm. Um, I think the, the most famous one is probably Pachacuti of the, uh, of the uh, is it the Incas? Uh, he was certainly of, yeah, South American. And he would uh, he would turn enemies' bones into flutes and, <laughs> um, and, and throw skulls at them uh, during, during battle and things like that. Which bones? Um, well, very good question. I think it was. Uh, I, think, I think it was some sort of. I think it was like the tip. Trying to work out which one yeah, of my bones he, 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 is big he, he enough to make a, into take a leg bone and turn it into a flute. Yeah, he, he was a leg si- bone, because because this is the biggest bone. Yeah, yeah that's got to be. Yeah, yeah, tibia, yeah, tibia, yeah. sort of. Yeah, it's mm. a, a good flute size. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like pan pipes. I don't know. How they, they work I think certain. I think certain Hunnic tribes also used skulls as standards. I might be. Might be. I don't know. They're not a Cambridgeshire tribe. That might be. That might be a Hollywood fantasy. We're far too educated. You skull. Is it? <laughs> but, uh, but go on. So, which are you going I'm, for? I am. I'm going to. Oh, now I want to go with the drinking. Act. No, I'm going to stick with my my first thought, which is the banner. They use it in battle. Chip, reveal all, please. Relics didn't really become a thing until a couple of hundred years after Edmund. Okay. Um, I think that's the point where they really take off. Um, certainly in this neck of the woods, anyway. And there's a very good reason for that, in that a lot of the saints didn't exist. Well, yes. <laughs> you know, at the point he died, he, he wasn't a saint. Mm. Um, but yes, no, this is actually a very Germanic tale, because you do find talking wolves in it's, uh, so I knew many <laughs> I said it sounded like a story. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know, well, listening to the podcast as well, um, I think that's that's basically how it works with you, Adam. You think, I really like that idea, but I'm going to go with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go you've, with your gut. You've gone with my message. <laughs> um, having said that, this wolf doesn't say a huge amount. He basically comes and finds Edmund's men on the edge of the forest while they are broken and defeated, as, as you would be yeah. if you know you've not just seen your king defeated in battle, but essentially you've heard that your your god has been defeated in battle because that's and what the beaten and shot and beheaded. Yeah. Well, yeah, and mm. that as well. But um, you know that they had basically shown Ivor and the Vikings had basically shown our pagan gods are better than your Christian god. Mm. Um, And then along comes this wolf simply saying, here, here, here. That's all he says. Um, And I think in the Old English it would have been something like, hick, hick. Hick. Yeah, so it was a wolf with hiccups. Yeah. And <laughs> but they don't they don't think of it as hiccups. They follow this wolf, and eventually they find um, the head of their king. Wow. Fantastic. Very well preserved yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, and and as we say, he goes on to be to be sainted. Um, now, obviously, to become a saint, you need certain miracles mm. associated with you. The, the formalised process of becoming a saint is much later on, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember who um, who it is. It's one of the the female saints of, of Great Britain, and, and clearly someone's just making something up, and they get and Rome decides. Wait a minute, we need a formalised process of, of canonisation. Um, mm. But that comes in much later on. Um, do we know why why Edmund became a saint? Well, a spring shot up near his near oh, where his classic head was found, miracle. Yeah, um, which it, that that is one that happens a lot. Yeah, um, I think again 
politically, the reason he became a saint was because the English who were left needed a banner to, to hide behind. Okay. Um, and his um, martyrdom was actually most um, built up, um, so that we remember it now, mm-hmm. by the Viking leader Guthrum, who came along a little bit later um, and who was turned into a Christian at the behest of Alfred the Great. Uh-huh. And it's kind of one of the conditions of their treaty. Um, and uh, yeah, Guthrum really built him up almost as if to say, you know, I, I am allowed to be the king of these parts because um, I am a Christian yeah. and, you know, all praise be to St. Edmund. Let's forget um, about the other Vikings who did that chopping off head thing. Exactly. And yeah. it's actually because Guthrum ruled most of the kingdoms, the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms of Britain when he was around, the, um, the cult of St. Edmund spread so much and he ended up being adopted as the patron saint. Wow. And then you end up with Bury St. Edmunds. Yes, indeed. Which, there you go. Yeah. And I if forgot you... about, sorry, everybody from Bury St. Edmunds. <laughs> and if anyone wants to know anything more about Guthrum, um, the movie Alfred the Great, um, I think he's actually played by Michael York. I don't know. I haven't seen I, it, it's pretty well, well cast. Yeah, it's 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 not a it's not a classic. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> but there is a '60s movie with um, I think it's David Hemmings as as Alfred the Great, Michael York as the as as Guthrum, um, who who wears black and um, and wins away Alfred's uh, lady. Oh, okay. And um, and Ian McKellen turns up in a swamp. So, what more do you want? Uh, if is that you want not to... enough to make it a classic? <laughs> Ian McKellen turns up in a swamp. It's, <laughs> it's, it's incredibly ropey. They actually have a fight over the white horse. Nice. Which is... <laughs> that sounds much better than um, The Last Kingdom, I think it's called. Which the... is the Jason Fleming one I, I alluded to. Is that not the yeah. one that's on at the minute, the TV series? Uh, they they are that, making yeah. into a TV series. But mm. interestingly, in an early episode, in fact, I think in the first episode of that one, in St. Edmundsbury, which mm. is what it was called at the time, um, they show a king being killed um, and he alludes to the death of St. Edmund oh, okay. um, in that scene and of course the Vikings then go from there in order to um, to face off with Alfred the Great. Yeah. Now this is entirely out of chronology yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, actual miles out of it. Um, so yeah, the, the Last Kingdom it, it just doesn't work for me. But good good drama. It, it doesn't um, <laughs> and we're going to skip entirely over that period yes. we're relieved to know <laughs> and go straight on to our third story the man who couldn't stop the tide. Story number three: the man who couldn't stop the tide. Adam, you, you seem to be ready ready for this. Do you, do you know who we are who we're referring to with this story? I I wish I hadn't said anything now because I don't. I, I know that there is a Viking king who, in order to prove that he wasn't completely infallible, took all of his followers together and took them out to the sea and commanded the sea to go out, and it didn't, and therefore he was merely a mortal man, which seems like a pretty stupid I, I thing think to do when the, you're a king. The first actually, thing but... to say is brownie points for getting the legend correct. Thank yes, you. I was, was going to say that as well because <laughs> there are so many people um, who follow the sort of I think it was a Victorian tradition really, um, which says that actually he was going there intentionally trying to turn back the sea. Okay. Um, and he was shown up to be a fool. Um, but no, in the original legend, it was held up as uh, the epitome of grace that he went down to say, look, I don't have a huge ego. Yeah. You all think that I can do brilliant things because I'm a king. But actually, watch me do this. I can't. That go. seems like a brave thing to do to me when you've got kind of these godlike kings to say, hold on, I am fallible. Is there not a bloke going to go, well, 
Hold on, why can't I be king then? This and is this yeah. is arguably one of our best kings. Okay, I, I think. Um, I, I don't know if Chip agrees. I, I absolutely agree. Um, he gets high marks in the book. <laughs> oh, is that? He, he definitely does. In yeah. fact, he's the reason I wrote the book in the first place. Oh, wow. um, and when you reveal reveal all, tell us who who we're talking about. Okay, we're talking about Canute the Great. If there is uh, any non-Adam out there who hasn't worked it out yet, <laughs> um, and the reason we're talking about him in the Fencast is because um, he's very closely connected with one of our little villages just outside of Ely um, and that's the story that really got me interested in this period of history in the first place um, when Canute became king he was a Viking yeah. and um, although just before he becomes king, um, most of the um, kingdoms are sort of starting to show their allegiance to him anyway, there would have been still pockets of English resistance who didn't like the fact that, um, for the first time really, you have a foreign ruler of every single Anglo-Saxon kingdom around Britain. Okay. Um, yep. So He's not just king of England, he is king of Denmark and the Norwegians and some of the Swedes. Wow. That's true. <laughs> That's his official Although title. Not, not at this point. When, when he first um, came to power... Um, well, there wasn't actually in England, oh, um, right. because uh, at that point, all of the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms were split up. Um, it was sort of like a patchwork quilt. And you you had seen a, tr uh, a line of kings who had dominance over all of those different kingdoms, but they preferred not to call themselves the King of England. Mm. They preferred to call themselves the King of the English. Um, and, you know, some of them would extend that even further by saying, I'm the King of the English and Northumbria yeah. and Wessex <laughs> or whatever, um, which I think was basically them just trying to show off. Um, it's got that whole Mother of Dragons thing going yeah, on in there. Yeah. So, um, Canute uh, becomes um, King of all the English when... Um, he manages to finally get Wessex, which is the one that no, no Viking has got up until this point. Yeah. Um, but according to a local Cambridgeshire legend, he wants to he wants to know how to be a good king for the English too. He doesn't want to do a William the Conqueror, partly because you know William the Conqueror wouldn't be around for another fifty <laughs> years or so. But well, yeah, that, that's the thing. So so we're now talking. So so uh, King Canute was was born in nine nine five. Um, AD and uh, and and dies. We think, in, we think yeah. and, and dies in 1035. So that is literally 30 years before William the Conqueror comes mm. and over and you know takes over England. Not a bad reign either for a. No, for it's, a it's almost exactly but, 50 years actually because it's 1016 that he um, manages to sort of accede to the throne of Wessex. But he. Um, in, in order to start his uh, attempt at making friends with the English, he doesn't take the crown until the following January, out of um, uh, grief, or so he claims, wow. for the last English king in Britain. Who That's is Edmund guy. Ironside. Who I have now, heard of, yeah. Uh, Edmund Ironside, uh, so his, do, do you know who uh, his, his relative was, the, the king before that? No. So this is my favourite king of all time. Ethelred the Unready. Oh, I have heard, I've heard that name. That's one of those names. And, that you un, just and hear, unready isn't it? does not mean unready in the traditional sense that we think of it, does it, yeah. Chip? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, I mean, yeah. it doesn't in the sense that the the word was originally applied to him because it meant ill advised, mm. um, and you can definitely see that he he wasn't well advised at all. <laughs> at the same time, um, that advice did make him pretty unready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so we get Edmund Ironside. Edmund doesn't last long though, and you mentioned Game of Thrones briefly earlier. Yeah. He actually faces a Game of Thrones style death. Oh, okay. Uh, so, oh, which, which of the four and three <laughs> do you think happened to Edmund Ironside? Side. Was he shot on the toilet by his relative? Okay. Was he drowned in molten gold? Oh. Or was he blown up while he was in church? 
<laughs> so well, these are all Game, they're the of, Game Thrones of Thrones related. Yeah, they are. They're, so we've got. I can do the Game of Thrones characters at times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was hoping to get an Oberon and the, the old eyes. You know, that, that's the best death, isn't it? But um, I mean, not not for Oberon, <laughs> <laughs> who I'm probably pronouncing wrong. Um, I'm going to plump for. I don't think drowned in molten gold seems a bit excessive for the Dark Ages. Well, it's certainly there are certain cases that happened. I mean, the famous one There's is always uh, cases. <laughs> so, uh, Crassus. Throw that sick doubter to me. So, so Crassus um, was a uh, an incredibly wealthy Roman patrician class yeah. uh, chap, uh, played by Laurence Olivier in the movie Spartacus. Oh, okay. Put down the Spartacus Rebellion. And he went. He makes it relevant to modern audiences. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he went over to uh, to Pavia and uh, and tried to lead an army to to show his mates Julius Caesar and Pompey the Great that he was a good. General too. Oh, really? Turns out he wasn't. Oh, Crassus. Um, I know Crassus, yes. And Crassus was forced to drink molten gold for his avarice. I didn't know that, though. Oh, yes, brilliant. That's how he dies. Oh, all the patricians died brilliantly. Mm. I was like Cicero. I'm a big fan of Cicero. So, uh, Sorry. Uh, and, <laughs> and a very similar Scottish yeah. tale, um, actually, from uh, the time of Edward the Edward the First. Um, but we won't go into that because that's a long way from the. Oh, is that? <laughs> um, hey, you know this show, right? <laughs> there, there are multiple, multiple drownings in gold. But, but go uh, e- either way, I'm going to say not drowning gold i'm gonna go i'm gonna plump with the first one and say shot on the latrine chip reveal all now why have you gone for that one i just i feel like it's the most believable and so also kings of england your gut for a change i am kings of england well, tend case, to die on the you've got it right yes um which in fact is what edmund was doing at the time he was yeah. sitting there and <laughs> on the train uh, going good. with his gut and in comes his um brother-in-law mm-hmm. um and shoots him with a bow and arrow and this is in the middle of a meal and Striola, <laughs> who excuse me a moment <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit upset how do you the... come back to that meal <laughs> <laughs> you won't be coming back <laughs> yeah well maybe he just was so desperate <laughs> whoever was there I love it it's in the middle of the meal <laughs> that was surely the end of the meal when the well, king exactly. died well and the legend goes that Striona then goes back to the, the table as if nothing has happened <laughs> because eventually someone discovers that um, Edmund has missed dessert yeah. um, goes out find, finds where he is finds out what's happened <laughs> yeah, that must have been pretty awkward as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been sire sire at what um, point do you go in yeah <laughs> but Striona actually doesn't get found out um, for a whole year and the only reason he gets found out is because he owns up to I was going to say yeah, and, he, and he owns up to Canute because Striona was under the impression um, and depending on which way you hear the legend maybe it was a good impression but he was under the impression that Canute actually wanted Edmund dead in order to take over Wessex and get all of the kingdoms um, and he fancies that um, what Canute will do is make him the highest man in the whole yeah. of um, the Isle if he manages to kill Edmund. But we already know he's cleverer than that, don't we? Well, he comes back uh, one year later. He, he um, finds Canute in a bit of a drunken revelry and he says, you know, that thing that you said about um, making making the guy who gets rid of, of Edmund die inside the highest man in the kingdom? Well, it was me. Yeah. Um, and, of course, like um, we said right at the start of this story, Edmund, Ach- um, sorry, Canute um, spent a good month grieving over yeah. um, Edmund um, before... Well, actually, I think it was something like two months grieving over Edmund before he takes the crown. Um, By all accounts, he did think of him as a brother. Um, It may have just been politics. It may have been his actual feeling. But what he does is he says to Striona, "Okay, yeah, I'll make you the highest man on the aisle. Chops off his head, sticks it on a pike and puts it as high up as it will go. I saw where that was going. That's a good one. (laughs) 
Not the um, king with a sense of... Um, Sense of humour. Yes, absolutely. Yes, the uh, the blowing up in church. um, This was much much earlier than the gunpowder and cannons and all that kind of stuff. So um, so highly unlikely. There are cases of 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 kings who certainly blow themselves up with uh, with cannons. Uh, Several of the Scottish kings did it. (laughs) Doesn't. We'll we'll go there. (laughs) Hold the jokes. (laughs) Again, we will we will we will move further south. (laughs) And and the other famous case, of course, is William the Conqueror himself, who explodes in a rather different fashion because when they leave his body out, they leave his body out. Mm. Um, So uh, so that's where that came in. we have mentioned briefly as well Canute's um, relatives have fantastic names mm-hmm. uh, so his father was uh, Sven Forkbeard am I saying that right? right? Yeah. Um, are, are, are you going to do his grandfather? I'm, as, I'm as doing his grandfather. Okay. <laughs> I'm so pent up for this now. this is going to be good well, I'm, actually, I'm actually going to ask I'm, I'm going to ask you oh, this okay. way which piece of modern technology is named after Canute's grandfather? I know this this is Canute I, I, well, what's his first name then? What? Yeah, his grandfather. His Harold, Harold. Harold Bluetooth. Yeah, he is yeah. indeed <laughs> Harold Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> it was a constant, uh, constant business. I think, thing, I it, think yeah. actually, I, I don't know why Bluetooth is named. I don't even know if Bluetooth is actually named after um, Howard Bluetooth. But it's, it, it is. The, it, the, is. The, it is. The, yeah, the Bluetooth, the system is named after Harold Bluetooth. It's, yeah. it's a really apt one because Harold Bluetooth was the first um, king of Denmark. Um, and similar to Canute, actually, he um, united all of the different Danish kingdoms because you've got to remember that back then um, it was nationality was a little bit like religion today in that you could be Danish and you could have a, a Danish kingdom but that kingdom wouldn't be called Denmark yeah there would be lots of Danish kingdoms in the way that you say you know we have lots of Christian countries or a lot mm. of Jewish countries and, and stuff like that um, so there wasn't one country called um, Daneland or yeah. Denmark as it as it would come it's almost like America isn't it I mean it's like saying Texas North Carolina exactly you know, yeah, yeah. They, 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 these would American. be the different states and yeah. um, Harold Bluetooth, when he managed to get rule over all of the Danish kingdoms, he thought, you know what? I'm going to stick all these together. It's going to be so much easier from an administrative point of view to mm. say, I'm not the king of blah and blah and blah and blah and blah. I am the king of Daneland or yeah. Denmark. Administrative. Um, it was a paperwork. Thing. Yeah, basically. In fact, well, it kind of was because um, in uh, what Howell did is he put uh, a stone in Denmark, which is basically that. It's his declaration of what he's done. Now, sadly, Canute didn't do the same thing. So we don't have any stone in England which basically says, I've got all of the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms now, so we're going to call them England. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is effectively what he did. Um, there's certainly plenty of evidence for that, really, including the fact that he is the first king recorded as being king of England. Yeah. Um, just that one simple title. And until he also gets Denmark and um, yeah. Norway. And, and Denmark, some of the Swedes. <laughs> some yeah. of the Swedes. Um, so, yeah, he, he added to it later. Um, but I, c- I can almost imagine that if he'd continued with this tradition, he would have eventually just been king of Europe. Because he would have, or king of Scandinavia, yeah. maybe. Because he would have united all of these different... So it wasn't more, a conqueror, more of a uniter. Is that what I'm getting, the kind of vibe? Well, I certainly, I certainly think that. I mean, it, it's very difficult to tell for a couple of reasons. First of all, we are still in the Dark Ages here. Um, So all of the records were collected by monks. Um, Well, most of the records were collected by monks. Um, A few of them were collected by the kings. But essentially, what you're getting is just all of the educated people, all of the people with money. They're the only people who really record anything. Um, So there's that bit that's going on. But the other thing is that when William the Conqueror comes over, he has entirely a different attitude to Canute. Mm -hmm. So whereas Canute has this sort of thing of, I'm ruler of 
these English territories, I'd better make friends with the English. Um, William comes over and says, ah, English, they need to submit yeah. to me. And he goes around just squashing as many English rebellions as he possibly can. We get the thing called the Harrying of the North, which yes. is pretty yeah. much destroying Yorkshire. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, obviously you've already covered the um, the battles with Harewood. Canute, yep. um, though, um, I mean, like I said, the story that really... Um, drew him to me was our local Fenland story of him in which he is going around in disguise as an Englishman okay. um, you, you sort of get that um, Princess Jasmine thing of him going oh, around this, this trying, quite to, common, isn't it? They trying to make friends yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, what happens is he comes across um, a father and son who are both eel catchers outside Ely and they're a little bit shirty with him mm. uh, they seem to be quite suspicious of strangers um, but they do allow Canute to stay there for the night um, so he plans you know when I eventually get back to Wessex and I or Winchester and I you know put my crown back on I'll yeah. send a nice big gift of money um, but in the morning what he does is he goes down to the uh, he leaves he, he walks along the river and he sees the sun bathing and, of course, they would bathe naked in those days. Yes. So it's quite obvious that this isn't a son at all. This is oh. a daughter. Oh. Um, which, of course, makes Canute think, well, why is this man disguising his daughter as a son? Hmm. Um, and it turns out when he goes back to the house to ask this question, um, there has been a rogue monastery with some monks coming around kidnapping women and girls and doing you know unmentionable things to them yeah. this happened to the wife of the eel catcher so in order to protect his daughter he's been disguising him as a son uh, now of course this gets Canute quite enraged um, he gathers up all of his vikings he attacks the monastery um, and he forces them to build a village in order to protect the English people of the area it's one of the first uh, Fenland villages if this story is to be believed okay. and what do you want to guess which one that is? Oh round Ely um... it might help if I tell you that um, when Canute met this eel catcher yeah. um, it was by a river so he described this house in the same way that you describe say maybe a harbour that you've just arrived at and he thought you know this is like my little harbour oh, that I have arrived at god yeah that, I, do you know what it, place names today after Barry St Edmund <laughs> I'm go, you could ask me what's the capital of England and I'd be there going mm, is it Edinburgh you know like, <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a clue for the last three episodes we've done uh, we've done a story every episode oh, on this particular place yeah, oh <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, with the I take it it's with the, the hay and the yeah, I, I know, I know it. I can. I just, I don't know it. I don't know. It. It's gonna, I know all the stories. It's I can so right. on, on, on the tip of on the tip of Adam's tongue it is. is Little Port. Little Port. Little Port. Little. Yes, we have. We've done loads. We've done tons. And of another port. reason why this is one of my favourite tales so sorry. Um, <laughs> is because obviously this is pure folklore. Um, you will not find this um, written down any time. Well, actually, any time before the twentieth century. Wow. Um, because the first time it was collected was by a chap called W. H. Barrett, um, who was a friend of. Of Enid Porter, um, and um, he basically bumped into um, a chap called, I think his name was Charles Legger, who told him the story and who claimed to have descended from this family of eel catchers. Um, so th this has just been um, a story that has been part of the oral tradition for 900 years or so. Um, and yet, as I researched into it further, um, I found that both Ely and Ramsey monasteries both record. Uh, Canute being displeased with them. Oh. They don't give a reason, 
Um, but they talk a little bit about all of the punishments that they had to suffer because Canute was displeased with them. Now, everywhere else in the country, Canute seems to get on quite well with the church. Mm. He's doing his best. But there are two monasteries here in Cambridgeshire where that doesn't happen. Got to remember... Who wrote history in those days? Yeah. It was the monks. And I imagine they probably would not have wanted to write down, Canute was displeased with us. He didn't like us going out and kidnapping all of those women. So actually, uh, yeah, we, we probably deserve these punishments. Of course, they wouldn't have written that. So here is one of those situations where if you are an historian who's just looking at the facts that you pick out from the Dark Ages, well, it just looks like a black spot. Yeah. But if you listen to the oral tradition, it adds to it. It enriches it. And even if that story isn't true, I really hope it is, but even if it isn't true, what it does tell you is that the English did get on with Canute. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have let that story get into their oral folklore if they didn't appreciate him as their king. Fascinating. Yeah. It, fascinating. The one thing I, I really like about that story as well, which, I mean, it wasn't one that I was particularly familiar with, I have to be honest, um, is that it dovetails so nicely with uh, a lot of the stories of um, of monks trying to have their wicked way with uh, with girls around mm -hmm. Ely mm -hmm. and sort of dogs being set on them and things like that and, and protection being given to, to yeah, young ladies. Monks don't have a very good reputation in these parts. They really don't. They really <laughs> don't. They're kind of instrumental it's to body the snatching and... <laughs> Um, but no, it's it's. I mean, it's a fantastic story, and uh, seeing as we're just we're just rounding up re uh, really and, and winding up, uh, do you want to give us a little bit more about uh, about Canute and why you think he is such such a great king? I mean, is it just the unification, or is there anything more to it? Do you think? Um, well, I think it is principally that, but it, it's the way he does it. You know, it, it wasn't a William the Conqueror style thing. He did um, see all of these different types of people. I mean, even that um, Earl Striona, who the the killer of Edmund Ironside, mm. according to legend. Um, for the best part of the year before um, Canute chopped off his head, he had actually taken him into his um, sort of ring of nobles. Um, he also um, was the first um, king to say that the law should be equal for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a king or a noble or a wow. peasant everybody should be subject to the law the same. Now, that was a very revolutionary thing, and it's usually ascribed to... Do you know who is that usually ascribed to? I don't know. It's usually ascribed to King John and oh. Magna Carta. Oh, Magna because, Carta. Yeah. yeah. Magna Carta was, uh, was 1215, and, of course, John immediately tried to, uh, to ignore it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and got into a lot of, of trouble, lot of and then got yeah. caught up in the wash. That's and, right. and dies of, uh, of dysentery a couple of days later, mm -hmm. or potentially poisoned with... Uh, with, with uh, yeah, that's poisoned uh, by monks. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, monks if, again. You, uh, if you do happen to read Cambridgeshire Folktales for Children, you'll find another um, version of the, uh, the reason why um, King John's treasures got lost, which mm. I much prefer. Um, actually, and uh, I just want to find him one day. That's my <laughs> well. T I, th I think the, the 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 truth, as I like to call it, that is in Cambridgeshire folktales for children, will give you a much better chance of finding it than um, than digging oh, around. There we the go. Wash, digging right? around I'm the wash. Read that then. Absolutely. So if you want to go treasure hunting and trying to mm. find King John's crown jewels, <laughs> <laughs> check out Cambridgeshire folktales for children by Chip Colhoun, and of course his new book, Who Made England: The Saxon Viking Race to Create a Country, which has even more stories. Stories of uh, of Bede and Canute and all of the other amazing kings, uh, kings, queens, and martyrs uh, that feature in these times. Chip, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really.
really fun. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. And, and yeah, I want to thank James as well for um, getting me involved in this. That's been great. Absolutely. James that's Holloway. that's Dr. <laughs> Dr. James Holloway. Sorry, Dr. Who, James Holloway. Dr. James Holloway. <laughs> I always throw that in there because uh, he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we're going to probably try and get James on again because uh, he was terrific with Herald and uh, Chip I hope you come in as, as well and uh, Absolutely. And, uh, and give us some more fantastic stories so that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening uh, Adam how can people get in touch uh, you can get us on the web we're on social media uh, Facebook slash The Fencast we're everywhere and, and Twitter as well The Fencast or um you can email us, but I can't remember the email address at the minute. It's thefencast at gmail.com. There we go. And Chip, are you doing anything uh, coming up? Um, locally, yes. Um, we have a show, uh, a family storytelling show, which is based on the story that we've just been talking about, um, Canute's founding of Littleport. Um, that is called The First King of England in Address. Um, you can um, hear it at the Isle of Ely Arts Festival. Um, we're performing at Haddenham Galleries on Saturday the 17th of June. Um, and... Obviously, you'll have just heard me um, telling the story with all of the, the gore and the monks going around and doing unspeakable things to women and children. This is the family-friendly version. <laughs> um, uh, it, there's none of that. It, it in fact, um, takes that story and blends it a little bit with the Viking myth of Thor rescuing um, his hammer, Majuna, from, um, from the giant. And if you know that story at all, then you'll understand why we've given it the title First King of England in Address. Mm. As I say, I'm very familiar with the with the adult version of that story, but uh, <laughs> again, uh, this will be a kids' version. Thank you so much once again for listening, and we will see you next time.